to humble ourself. And you remember it was, a, it was a child, a little child that Jesus brought into the midst of them to illustrate his point. He brought in a child there. And from here and from this place on that we're going to look to tonight, Jesus is going to, for lack of a better word, he's going to springboard into an often dismissed ministry need. And I want to look at tonight who's reaching the children. We're going to look at this section here. And we see in verses 3 through 6, we see the humility as a child that is, that, is, that is shown here. The humility as a child. Look at verse 3. And he said, Verily, verily I, say, or verily, I say unto you, except you be converted, have your mind changed, and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of of God, And we see here, first of all, that nobody is born into the kingdom, you enter into the kingdom. It, there is a time and a place in your life where you enter the kingdom. You are not born into the kingdom, you are born again into the kingdom. And there comes a time and you will enter that kingdom. You will come into that kingdom as a child. You will come into the kingdom of God with a childlike humility, with a childlike trust, with a childlike reliance upon God. And uh, not trying to figure everything out. Uh, uh, you know, some, some go down that road and, I, and they need a lot of time. But there's going to come a time in their life, if they're going to put their faith and trust in Christ, there's going to come a time of humility in bringing themselves down. It's entered as a child. And he know, goes on here in verse 5 and shows us and reminds us that there are, our reception of children reveals our hearts. Now look at verse 5. And whoso shall receive one such little child in my name receiveth me. That's interesting. You see, Jesus receives children, doesn't he? Jesus loves children. Look at uh, just over a couple pages of Matthew 19. Look at verse 13, if you would. Matthew 19, 13. And Jesus, right here, he said, There were brought unto him little children that he should put his hands on them and pray. And the disciples rebuked them. They said, uh-uh, no, you're, no, 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 no. He rebuked whoever was, uh, was bringing the children unto Jesus, or maybe it was the children themselves they were rebuking. But he said the disciples rebuked them. But Jesus said, Suffer the little children and forbid them not to come unto me, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. And, and we see here that Jesus receives children. Jesus loves children. They, 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 they believed Jesus. and uh, These children that were coming, they believed Jesus. And they are really, they are the greatest lesson, object lesson, I guess you could call it, of what, of what humility and childlike faith looks like. And so watch this. What he said, verse 5, your reception of children reveals your likeness to Jesus. I know a pastor who has this pattern. It's a test he has. Not many know this. I'm glad I found out. No. And if you're talking to him, and it's a larger church, and if you're talking to him, and it's not around here, it's another state. If you're talking to him and a child comes up, he'll say, oh, do you know so-and-so? And he'll watch how the adult responds to the child. And it say, he'll say, it tells me everything about the adult by how they respond to the child. Whether they dismiss them, whether they go, mm-hmm, or they stop and they talk to them. Very telling. I like that. 
the reception of children here in verse 5, and whosoever shall receive one such little child in my name receiveth me. Right? Your heart for children reveals your likeness to Jesus. And the humility of a child, it is so pure though, Jesus is going to go on to say, that it's easily to be taken advantage of. Look at verse 6. But whoso shall, whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea, in the depths of the sea. The word offend here we know means to cause to stumble. Watch to entice to sin, to cause a person to distrust one whom he should trust, to offend. Whoever causes a little one, a child, who believes in Jesus, who believes the Lord, anybody who causes that child to distrust him, or to entice that child to sin, or to cause to stumble or to trip up. You know what I'm thinking of, don't you? I'm thinking about many of these educators in our public schools who are running over the faith of children and destroying it with, with little fancy uh, games on uh, wordplay and challenging what they believe and in a condescending way and we're so educated and you're just a little one you don't believe in that that fairy tale uh, make believe god in the sky do you and they can throw out all sorts of things to trip them up yeah i'm thinking about those here is uh, those 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 of the lgbtqia Hold on, I'm adding another one. I'm serious. P, pedophile. Right. Listen to me, they're coming. That's right. They are going to legalize pedophilia someday because they have to. If they let every other gross thing go, yeah. they have to let that go. And I'm telling you, they're already trying to lower the age of consent to get this through. They're fighting this. They're sick. I, let me tell you, I, they're, they're, they're destroying children. They are destroying, they are pedophiles, most all of them are pedophiles. And now, when people used to say that, they'd be like, oh, they're just like, you know, I don't know, look around you. Look what they're doing, right? I, I, I'm thinking about drag, stream, drag queen story hour and that they're going into little kindergarten classes and they're letting them roll all over them and tell them stories. And you've seen, they look like freaks. They're devilish, they're demons. Yeah. I'm thinking about all these. Jesus said to these people, it would be better for you to have a millstone hung around your neck, put on a boat, go out into the middle of the ocean, find the Mariana Trench, which is about seven miles deep, and throw you overboard and let you sink to the bottom than to offend one of these little ones. Jesus is pretty serious, isn't he? Right. Why? Jesus loves the humility of a child. Jesus loves that humility. And, that, and, and because he loves that, and he loves the children, it has to be protected, he's saying here. Humility. Humility as a child. But in verses 7 through 9, we'll see the humility towards a child. Humility as a child, but notice the humility toward a child. Look at verse 7. Woe unto the world because of offenses, for it must needs be that offenses come. But woe to that man by whom the offense cometh. Jesus said, listen, the world is going to be judged for the offenses they have set to trip up believers. 
They're going to, listen, the judgment is coming. Woe is coming against them. There is, there is judgment coming. And listen, you better get it down, Christian. Offenses are going to come. Right? We have an adversary, right? We have, a, they have an, a, the adversary, the devil, who we saw last week, who walketh about as a roaring lion, seeking to whom he may devour. Offenses are going to come. We must walk circumspectly. We must watch every step we take and watch where every footprint is going to go down and where every step is going to go. We've got to walk circumspectly. We must grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. We must be a student of the Bible where we are told to study to show ourselves approved, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We must be, but there's a big warning here. Jesus says, Offense, yes, the, the world has offenses and offenses are going to come, but he said, woe to that man man. Woe to that man by whom the offense comes. Woe to that man if you've caused a child to doubt. Woe unto that person if you've caused a child to walk away from God. Woe unto that lifestyle that has turned a child away from God. Woe unto that, hypo that hypocrite and the hypocrisy that has enticed a child to sin. Jesus said, woe unto you. Woe unto you. What, what, what does woe mean? That there is a divine penalty awaiting for you. God's going to take care of you. Woe unto that person. Yeah. Woe unto that parent that has caused a child to doubt. Woe unto the parent that has caused a child to walk away from God. Woe unto a teacher that has caused a child to walk away from God. Woe unto a parent that has had a lifestyle that has caused a child to turn away from God. Woe unto the parent that has had a hypocrisy about them that was so visible and evident that has caused a child to say, I don't want anything to do with your God. No, are they still responsible for God? Absolutely. But let me tell you something. Jesus said to that person, woe unto you. Divine judgment is for you. Yeah. This is a big warning, isn't it? Right. There's a divine penalty. Look at verse 8. Wherefore, if thy hand or thy foot offend thee, cut them off and cast them from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life halt or maim than to have two hands or two feet to be cast into everlasting fire. And if thine eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire. Now there's a principle here for dealing with stumbling blocks in your life. Right. We need to, you need to protect yourself from being the offense. Whether you are the offense in your own life, sometimes that happens, or you are the offense in somebody else's life. But notice here it's a principle. A principle of dealing with stumbling blocks in your life. Jesus said, if your hand or your foot is what's causing you to stumble, cut them off. Principle. He's not saying go cut your hands or your feet off. I hope you know that tonight, right? Yeah. Yeah. We're gonna have a I'm gonna have a lot of hospital visits next week. <laughs> he said, if your eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out. I believe within Catholicism, it is St. Catherine, the, the, the saint of eyes, 
who had a suitor, a man that wanted to marry her, and she was so devoted, supposedly so devoted to God that uh, she didn't even want the thought of him looking at her, so she plucked her eyes out and sent them to her. Isn't that, isn't that beautiful? Boof. I think it was St. Catherine. I have to look that up again. I learned that in my Italian class in, in high school. I had to take Italian. And it's Italian. I get in trouble for saying Italian. If your eye's in a fence, pluck it out. What's the principle here? Remove the stumbling block and get rid of it. Right? Remove the stumbling block. Hold on. The same principle applies with protecting children. If there is a stumbling block, if there is an offense there, get it out of the way. Right? If you have to, get rid of your internet. If it's a problem... Hey, if you have to, throw out certain entertainment. If you have children at home or grandchildren around the house, if it's a problem, get rid of it. If you have to, I think if anybody has children growing up in school today, Christians, I think this is a good thing to do. If you have to get rid of your public school, get rid of it. No, I think that's a wonderful thing to do, friend. You know, you, 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 are, you are leaving a stumbling block in front of a child that may cause them to struggle with the relationship with God. That's, no, this isn't 1950 anymore, friend, right. in the United States of America with the public school system. You say, well, I, I'm sure there's a good one out there. I'm sure there is too, okay? I'm sure there's a fine one out in some remote village out in the middle of Montana somewhere that's just fine. But we live here, and you don't want to know what goes on at our schools here. We're talking about offenses. The principle is here is get rid of them and put them away. Get rid of the schools. Get rid of the ungodly video games. Get rid of the ungodly entertainment. Get rid of the internet if you have to. Whatever you have to do, do what you have to do to protect children. You say, well, they're, they, they're, I'm thinking, aren't you glad your kids, most of them are out of the house now? And this one, I mean, this is a weird day, isn't it? All right. Parents are like, well, they just won't be cool. They, oh, I love this one. They won't know how to socialize. I like what a friend of ours said one time when they were told this, they won't, they won't be socialized. And she goes, oh, you mean they won't know how to be rude to adults? <laughs> that, that's, what, that's what they mean by social, you know, yeah, be socialized. I think it was R.C. Sproul's son, who was a big homeschooler, said, socialization, seriously? So you're going to put them in a class of 30 students of their, of their own age for seven hours a day, and that's socialization? That's not socialization. <laughs> You know, and you're, oh, don't do this. You'll do that. You know, they won't have, know how to handle the world, world when they get out and they'll get into worse trouble. I, I don't know about that. Right. Did anybody have to tell you how to sin? No. <laughs> right? No, listen, it would be better. What's the principle here? It would be better for a child to be unsocialized and uncool and have a relationship with God than it would be for them to be accepted by the crowd that they are following into hell. Absolutely. Oh, amen, that's right. Absolutely it is. When you move in humility towards a child, you'll protect the child, and you'll protect the child by removing the offense. You see two things here. Humility as a child. Humility towards a child. Jesus is dealing with humility in the kingdom here. Look at the third thing in verses 10 through 14. And this is really what I want to get to tonight. Humility for a child. 
It's amazing how you have to humble yourself sometimes to reach a child. How many have played the most ridiculous games with a child? That if anybody videoed them, yeah, they, they would wonder about you. Tea parties. I like tea parties. They were good. Because the tea one time was Mountain Dew, and that was all right. That was like, hey, that's pretty good tea. Yeah. Look at verse 10. Take heed that ye despise not one of these little ones. For I say unto you that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father which is in heaven. That's a fascinating verse. Don't despise children, Jesus says, because they have angels watching them that have the audience of God. Hmm. You know, I want you to think about this. Hebrews 1.13, we're told... Uh, uh, speaking of the deity of Jesus Christ, um, remember in verse 8, you know, the Father says, Thy throne, O God, speaking of Jesus, who is God, Thy throne, O God, is, a, uh, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the kingdom, of, is the scepter of thy kingdom. And, he goes, and here in verse 13, he goes on to say, defending the deity of Jesus Christ, but to which of the angels said he at any time, Sit on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool? Watch this, about the angels. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? So we have angels that are ministering spirits for the saved. Listen to Acts 27, 23 through 24. For there stood by me, remember Paul was the ship, you know, the Eurachlodon came up on the Mediterranean. He told them, you shouldn't go. And they said, oh, we'll be okay. And then later, I loved it, he said, well, you should have listened to me when they're floating around in the water on pieces of the boat, right? And uh, they hadn't seen the stars for days, the clouds and the wind, it had just never stopped. And Paul said this in verse 23 and 24, For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, for thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. And Paul said, Nobody's going to perish, it's all going to be okay. An angel of God came to me tonight. Here we have an angel ministering unto a saint of God. Luke 16.2, the Bible says, And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. So we have an angel taking away Lazarus and, and the rich man just dying and being buried. So again, we have an angel ministering to a saint of God. Notice this in the verse 10. Take heed that you despise not one of the, these little ones. It's still the little ones that's in the crowd that Jesus is teaching. Remember, the disciples are around. Remember this? He brought them in. Still the same ones, okay? Watch this. That in heaven, for I say unto you that in heaven, their, T-H-E-I-R, their angels do always behold the face of my Father which is in heaven. Notice this. Their angels, what are they doing? Always beholding the face, Jesus says, of my Father. What does that mean? What are they doing beholding the face of God? They're waiting for instruction. Angels aren't omniscient. They wait for direction from God. Watch. These children, Jesus says, have angels that are standing in front of God waiting for direction on how to deal with them and what to do with them. And how to, I mean, this is, this is a beautiful thing. It's fascinating. 
Because the Bible never says that angels minister to the lost, as far as I can tell. Now, hold on a minute to the hyper-Calvinist that believes even children, if they're not chosen, will go to hell. Obviously, children are in a place of grace before that accountable age. They have the angels of God standing in the face of God, right, uh, that, that God has employed to, to, to uh, minister unto them, right? Uh, wait, what am I saying? Obviously, God is deeply concerned for children. Jesus loves them. He loves their humility. What's he saying? Don't despise them. Don't despise them. Hey, here, let me say this. Don't despise what God defends. What was the purpose of this? Why did Jesus go here? Seems kind of interesting that he starts with just talking about who's the greatest in the kingdom from one of the questions of the disciples. And Jesus goes, into, goes to humility with this little child, but he uses that little child to go somewhere with it. And he reveals, he's, remember he's talking about the greatest, the disciples, who's the greatest, who's the greatest, who's the greatest? Jesus said, I'm concerned about the little one. You're concerned about how big you're going to be in the kingdom. And I'm concerned about this little guy right here. Look at verse 11. It's kind of interesting. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. To seek and to save that which was lost. We know the heart of God that he's not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. We know that what he told Israel over in Ezekiel 33, 11, when he, said, when he said, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. We know this. What is the purpose of the Lord Jesus Christ? To seek and to save that which was lost. What is the extent of his purpose? How far, who does this reach to? Well, we know it reaches to the world, right? Now watch this illustration that Jesus gives. Look at verse 12. How think ye, if a man have an hundred sheep and one of them be gone astray, doth he not leave the ninety and nine and goeth into the mountains and seeketh that which is gone astray? And if so be that he findeth it, verily I say unto you that he rejoiceth more of that sheep than of the ninety and nine which went not astray. We know this illustration hundred sheep, one's lost. And the, 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 Jesus says the shepherd will go after the, 90, the, the one, leave the ninety and nine, and when he gets it back, he rejoices. Watch this. Uh, he rejoices more of that sheep than of the ninety and nine which went not astray. I was just telling Sherry earlier, uh, you know, it's kind of interesting and kind of unfortunate when one gets out of the way and gets away from God. Maybe it's in a church setting. You see somebody, they've wandered off and they get away and they get out in the world and they get out into sin and, uh, and time comes and you reach out to them, you reach out to them, you reach out to them, you try to get to them and uh, it comes a time when uh, I'm telling you, they re- you, you get them and they respond and they get right with God. They come back to church and there's great rejoicing. But it's very, it's very common for those that were here going, well, what's all the hubbub? We haven't gone anywhere. Why do they get all the attention? 
Why does the bad kid get all the attention when he finally does his homework once? And I've been doing it the whole year, right? And they're like, oh, that's so wonderful. And you have stacks of homework like, hello. Right? You, you can get kind of bitter, can't you? Can I remind you of something, though? With Jesus, if any one of those 90 and 9 have gone astray, he would have had the same response for them as well. Jesus is concerned with the loss. But notice the ultimate goal, verse 14. Even so, it is not the will of your Father which is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. It's not God's will that one of these little ones should perish. The humility as a child in the kingdom. The humility of a child. What an illustration. But here in the kingdom of God, there should be the humility for a child. If you have the same heart for children as Jesus does, there will be, it will be evident in your life that there will be a humility for children. Why? Because Jesus wants every child to come to the saving knowledge of himself. Jesus wants every little one to come to, to come to himself. I like what one preacher said. I know what he meant by it, and some may not. You'd have to think about it a little bit, but he was preaching, and he said uh, uh, there's a, a little ba- a baptism that was going to be going on later that after the service. It was an eight-year-old girl, and uh, something was mentioned about so-and-so got saved this week, and she's getting baptized here tonight, eight years old. And this preacher, as a guest preacher, got up, and he said, he said it's, a, it's a wonderful thing to hear somebody that is saved from sin instead of saved out of sin. He said, I was saved out of a life of sin. And this little girl possibly is going to be saved from a life of sin. I got what he meant. So true. This is what, no, this is the will of Jesus, that they come to him before this world wrecks them. That's what he wants. Hey, that's what we should want too. No, if, if, if we are the greatest, if we are endeavoring to be the greatest in the kingdom, marked by the humility of a little child, we'll have the same humility uh, for a child as well as Jesus does. Can I tell you something tonight? The children of Nixa and the surrounding areas need to be reached for Christ. Do you know that Jesus has the same viewpoint of the children in our town as he does for those little one that, that little one that he brought in the midst of the disciples that day? They're being attacked. Children are being attacked on every level. Listen to what, what uh, I mean, abortion. No, they're children, friends, right? We know that. Yeah. Do you see here the state of Maine? They're trying to fight the state of Maine where the governor of Maine is, wanting, is trying to legalize abortion up to birth. And it's sickening because they have to dismember the child so it bleeds to death in the womb and then pull it out. I don't know how you get so evil. I don't know how you get that demonic. 
But that's exactly what's, what is being, no, I mean, I'm telling you, children are being attacked on every level. The CDC says this, listen to this, the suicide rate among children, listen to this age group, aged 5 to 11, 5, suicide, 5 to 11, has increased 15%, listen to me, 15% annually, annually from 2012 to 2017. Every year, 2012, 2013, 2014, 2015, 2016, 2017, 15% every year, the suicide rate has increased among children 5 to 11. How could they get to such a place of not wanting to live at 11 years old? Yeah. Have you looked at, I mean, we're adults. Could you imagine growing up now? Getting shoved down you, what's getting shoved down them? You see once in a while on the news these, these drag queen shows and the parents are bringing their children, ha, 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 get out there. And the kids are like, uh. yeah. It's interesting. They say the suicide rate becomes lower in the summer months for children because yeah. of the stress of school. It's probably because of the indoctrination and the, and the attack that goes on them 24 hours a day in the, or eight, days, eight hours a day in the school. And there's a lot of things. There's a lot of reasons. Yeah. 10 to 24-year-olds, listen to the top killers of children and young people aged 10 to 24. Number one, of course, auto accidents. Number two, suicide. There it is again. Number three, alcohol. 5,000 children under the age of 21 every year die from alcohol. Listen to this one. This should, this should, this, this should really uh, hopefully motivate us. The average age for exposure to pornography, 11. That's an average, which means there's younger and then, of course, older, but there's younger than that as well. 11. 11. Listen to this one. Children under 10 account for 22% of online pornography consumption. 22% of children under 10 years old. Under 10, it accounts for 22% of online pornography consumption. How is this happening? No, friend, that's an offense. Yeah, I, you know, those, those people who produce that, I'm telling you, if they don't repent and get right with God, they're going to be in the hottest parts of hell. Yeah. Barna said this, Barna Group said this in 2018, 13% of teens now consider themselves atheists. This number is double the percentage of adults 20 and older who identify with atheism. So children under 20 are now, uh, you know, Twice as many of children under 20 identify as atheists as those over 20 identify as atheists. Yeah. 13% consider themselves atheists. Well, of course they do. What do you think they hear all the time? What, what are they getting? An offense. Teachers. Yeah. TV shows. The Internet. Oh. They, uh, if, 
you know, there is no God, there is no God. You, you know, that, that, that's, that's uh, if you ever read Richard Warmbrand's book, Tortured for Christ, that is one of, the, one of the things they did in the prisons there in Romania. He said that they would just repeat over and over and over and over on the recordings. There is no God, there is no God, there is no God, there is no God, there is no God. Brainwashing. He said it was unbelievable torture. What do you think is going on with kids today? And everything, they, everything that's out there for them, no, there is no God. We need humility to enter the kingdom. We need humility to be careful around children. We need humility to go after and rescue a child. The mark of humility in the kingdom is a heart for a child. And we know this, and there's some things we can't do about it, but there's something we can do about it with much more earnestness than we ever have. But we're not reaching the children around us. It's got to be made a priority. It must. I know. Where are the workers? We have a God in heaven who has more concern for these children that are in our area than we ever could. And it might be a good time to, with more urgency than we've ever had before, to bombard the throne of grace and beg God for the ability to reach what's around us. Yeah. Because, listen, they're being, they're being destroyed. Yeah. We can't rest. We can't rest. I think it needs to be uh, number three, number two, number one, however on your prayer list. It needs to be on the top every single day. We need to beg God. Hey, listen, the cults are out there. They're going after them. Yeah. They're trying to reach them. May God help us tonight. Number one, to give us a burden. Remember Ezra? Remember Nehemiah? We're in Nehemiah on Wednesday night's Ezra. What happened? What changed their life? They got a burden. God broke them. They were broken with a burden for the condition that was around them. It caused them to get up. May God break us to reach what we need to reach. Brother Pinacetti in uh, Philly, you know, I think you know Brother Pinacetti. And, uh, oh no, he, uh, he said, you know why we have... We run all these buses and have all these kids running around the church because God will never shut down a church full of kids and I don't want my church shut down. <laughs> it's kind of funny, but there's some truth to that. Yeah. It's, hey, listen, it's the heart of Jesus. This is where he went to when the disciples asked him who was going to be greatest in the kingdom. You know where he ended up? with I love children and I want them to be saved. <laughs> I like that. May God help us. May God give us a burden to pray and to fast, to beg God, to give us the ability and the logistics, logistical ability and the help and the work, everything. They've got to be reached. They've got to be reached. You know what? Right now, they're at a point they need to be rescued. They need to be rescued.
Our God, thank you, Father, for this great little passage here. I'm thankful how you revealed your heart for the children, your creation, these innocent little ones that so easily trust, so easily just that, that humility that they so easily have, that humility that we need to bring ourselves to just to come into the kingdom and a humility that we need to make sure that we live in on a daily basis. But Lord, you've showed us also this humility that we need to have for children. Lord, you love them. It's not the will, it is not your will that one of these, you said not one of these little ones should perish. And Father, would you break our heart tonight with the reality of the need that is out there around us and give us the ability to do something about it. Well, thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand tonight. The instruments played. However the Lord has spoken to you tonight, the invitation is open. Would you respond to Him tonight? Would you ask God to help us figure out what to do, how to do it, the ability to do it, the wherewithal, the manpower, They need to be reached. Is your heart broken? Do you have a heart for children like Jesus? If not, you need to ask Him tonight to give you that. Yeah. How many will go home and tonight or tomorrow in the morning write down on your prayer list and uh, put it as a priority, begin to ask God to give us the ability and the heart and the desire and the, and the wherewithal and the help and the, and the manpower to do what we're supposed to do in our Jerusalem to reach these little ones. How many would do that? I, I, mean, I, I mean, who would? I know you wouldn't raise your hand. But I just want you to, I want you to do that. I want you to be uh, intentional about that. May God help us and not rest, not rest until we, until we uh, just continue. I mean, it's not, there's no stopping point in this really. You know, it's not like, yeah, we'll get here. We'll get it. No, it's, it is a continual thing. They've got to be reached. All right, we're going to be closed in a word of prayer. I, need to, I hate to do this. It has to be done. But we've got to do a quick, a real short, quick vote business meeting for our bank to make some